It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Lucky Let Cord Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Otto. Happy to be with you. It's Monday. It's January 9th. Aussie Open qualifying is underway, and the Australian Open will begin next Monday. We're here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the first 10 days of the tennis season. Richard Pagliaro, my trusty friend and editor at TennisNow.com, is here to give me his takes on what he saw in the first week of the season, which was pretty eventful. Novak Djokovic got his 92nd title. The United Cup was won by the United States. We saw great performances from Coco Gauff, Jessica Pagula, Irina Sabalenka, a teenager named Linda Noskova. A lot of good stuff happening, and we're all ready to um, fire it up down under in Melbourne for the Australian Open. Jo- Djokovic and Iga Sviontek, the favorites, but a lot of storylines as we head in to the happy slam. So why don't we talk about it? Why don't we try to break down the first 10 days of the season? Why don't we do that right now? Hey, Richard. Nice to have you back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Chris. Uh, excited for another new season and uh, a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, this is our first get-together of the season, and as you said, lots to talk about. Australian Open, I, I glance over at my calendar here, Monday the 16th in the States, which will be the well, it'll be the 16th in Australia, the 15th here, less than seven days, qualities are underway, storylines are in effect. I think we owe it to ourselves to start with the biggest storyline, which is Novak Djokovic being back in Australia, increasing his win streak on that continent to 34 consecutive wins, winning his 92nd title at Adelaide. Nice to see him appear at a 250 level event. Nice to see him play well and to pull another Houdini in the final, saving a match point to defeat Sebastian Corda. Where do we start with Novak? Heavy favorite heading heading into Melbourne, right? Yeah, I would say heavy favorite. And also, to me, a good thing about Adelaide was the crowd that he they really interacted well. The crowd was with him. It was an exciting matches that he played, and, uh, you know, he responded well, and he said all the right things, too. So that was the one thing I was concerned about. How were they going to, how are the people going to respond to him? And I thought he got a great response, and he played some super exciting tennis, and as you referenced the match point, I mean, he saved a beautiful, uh, going backwards to hit that smash, and his smash is maybe, you know, not his best shot, but uh, that was a phenomenal final. And also, I think Sebastian Corda can take a lot out of that final and a lot out of that tournament. He showed the level he has, and maybe he slipped off the radar a little bit last year because he didn't have quite the season a lot of people expected. But, boy, he showed when he's when he's firing on all cylinder, he's a dangerous player. He definitely could have won that match. Yeah, even Novak had high praise for Sebastian Corda before the final, and you know it was it was a solid run taking out Andy Murray. Then 
uh, the giant that is Roberto Batista Agut in the second round. And, and we know RBA is really tough in January. That's That was the 6-4, 6-4 decisive win. Then he took out Yannick Sinner, who seemed to be struggling physically a bit. Then a nice win over Nishioka, who retired from the match. Oh, but, retired, right. But, and the Sinner match, he was down 5-4, I believe, in that before. Like you said, Sinner struggled a little, but then he just went on a roll. He blew right through him after that. Yeah, but most impressive of it all, and I think you'd agree, is the way that he really matched strokes with Djokovic and was able to, you know, dictate for a lot of the match, had his chance to win it, didn't take it. And we know that well, he came through that first set, but we can see, like, the, the scar tissue of the, the incident with Rafa at Indian Wells last year where he struggled to close out and inevitably didn't close out a victory over Nadal that he maybe should have had. And I guess these experiences are really just formative for him, and he's building and he's growing. And he's always been the type of kid that does it at his own pace, that takes it in stride. And it's just a nice reminder that, yes, this guy is probably destined and or has at least a good shot to be number one American at some point. Of course, Taylor Fritz will have a lot to say about that, and so will Francis Tiafo. But nice week, yeah, for Sebastian, for sure. And it points to, you know, maybe a very nice Australian Open. Yeah, and I can't get down on him the way he played that match. I mean, Novak came up big on that match point. Like you said, the Rafa match last year, I felt he didn't fully emotionally recover from that the rest of the year. And I think this match, it won't be the same because, to me, he was right there in the match. And then you look at the end when he got broken, it was almost like a brain cramp. I mean, he, even that game, he probably should have won. And then he just kind of lost. He missed a couple forehands, missed the forehand long on match point. But just to get back to the other point you raised was, I mean, Novak has one of the greatest two-handed backhands I've ever seen in my life. And this kid, Korda, was right there with him on the backhand wing going corner to corner. And Novak hit a lot more slice, I felt, at the end of that match, just trying to make Korda create something. So Novak played really smart. But to me, when you can stand in there on the backhand side with Novak Djokovic on a hard court, like you said, a guy who hasn't lost 34 matches in Australia, 21-match winning streak at the AL, that's, that's really, really impressive. Yeah, that was cool. And another thing, of course, I can't help but mention is Djokovic saving the match point. He's now done that to win a match 16 times. Eight of the times he's saved match points, he's gone on to win the tournament. It's, um, you know, what's funny. I looked up some stats on the big three saving match points and Djokovic doesn't ever waste match points or he hasn't done it very often. Only three times has he lost when holding match points, and that compares to Federer, 24 losses, and Nadal, 8. So not only does he win a lot, 16 times and 8 titles, but he, he hardly ever drops the match points. This guy, he's pretty good under pressure. Yeah, that's a great stat, because I think most people would say, Nate, if you had to guess, you would say Nadal would be the one of those three. But, I mean, look, the, the one a pivotal point in his career was that Wimbledon final when he saved the championship points against Federer. I'm not sure many people on the planet could do that against Roger Federer at Wimbledon on center court. He did it. And uh, I think, you know, that stat, it, it just solidifies how dangerous he's going to be in Melbourne because then you stretch it out best of five sets and he's so fit physically. He had time last year to really work on his body. And let's not forget he's coming off that sixth ATP Finals title where he played great there too so he's trending really upward it's his best tournament his favorite court Rod Laver Arena he's on a roll he's got the crowd behind people should be excited to see him it's all it all looks really really good for him right now yeah it does um and just to clarify Nadal has saved match points 17 times and gone on to win but he's you know he's wasted eight he's wasted had match point and lost eight times so you know, all these guys are pretty incredible at uh, in the clutch. But Djokovic, I think you would definitely agree, 
He's done it more at the slams. You mentioned Wimbledon twice against Federer at the U.S. Open back-to-back semifinals right. in 10 and 11. He's actually saved match points and won at the slams five times. And Rafa has, I could be wrong, and I need to really do a deep dive on this, but I don't think he's ever gone on to win a match at a slam where he's faced match points. And that's credit to him. He probably rarely faces match points, to be honest. Like So anyway, they're all great, but but Novak it just has that something special. And yeah, and I think you're I think you're right. It's going to light a fire under him. It's going to give him an extra belief that he'll need. You mentioned him being fit. He did have the issue with the hamstring, which I thought was right, going to be a problem in the semis against yeah, Medvedev. Sure. And he, he was struggling with it and worried, and he got the tape on his leg. And he came back on Sunday in the final and looked just fine. So I guess that's nothing we really should be worried about. Am I right? Well, he downplayed it in press afterwards, but you're right. I mean, that, that hamstring is a really important thing, especially someone who's as flexible such a great mover. His legs are so important to his game as, as him. But, you know, just based on his comments, he did sound pretty pretty confident. He's got some time to, to regroup, and then he's got the exhibition against Kyrgios, so that'll be exciting and also a way to just reintroduce himself to the Rod Laver Arena fans. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure they'll be all for me. As you said, the, the crowds at Adelaide were, were just, just so intense, and, and it was great to see him get that reception. I think it was well-deserved, and I think he's going to get more. i got to say, the Australian fans in general, they're just so excited. They're just so excited and exuberant, and they bring that intensity. Even, you know, the first year of United Cup where it was bouncing, you know, three different cities you saw in Sydney where it wasn't their team, they're still into it. So I love the tennis in Australia because the people, they really get into it. And even Auckland, hey, we saw good crowds there despite all the rain and all the chaos. They, the fans came out there. Yeah. It's always a highlight of the season for sure. They kick off with, with the Aussie summer. But we spoke, uh, we spoke quite a bit about Rafael Nadal, and you spoke, just mentioned the United Cup. Hasn't been going great for Rafa, really. Two losses at the United Cup, one to Cam Norrie, one to Alex Dimonor, both in three sets. I'll, I'll sum, sum what I saw up briefly and let you take it from there. Struggling a little bit on serve, faced, faced 13 break points against Dimonor, faced 11 against Norrie. Um, there's some graphics out there, maybe some chatter that his toss is a little lower that he might, that he might've had to adapt his serve since having that abdominal issue. I don't know if that's a real thing or not. It's, it's probably speculative at this point, but his second serve percentage points one are a little bit down. That said, he looked good in both those matches, a lot better than we've seen him look at the end of the season. He has lost six out of seven matches. This is like unheard of for Rafa, but he is looking better. I don't really know what to make of it or what to make of his chances coming up for this title defense in Australia? It's really tough to say because it's a small sample size, and yeah, he's lost. I mean, no doubt about it, but like you said, he was he fought in those matches. He didn't, he didn't go away in those matches. He wasn't blown out, and I think a lot of it does stem from the serve. As you said, he's got to try to find a way to, to connect and just get the serve percentage higher and stretch the box a little bit because when he does that, then he can get control of the point with the forehand from the first shot after the serve, but you've got to be making the first serve. You know, and you've got to have confidence with that, and that's what I thought a key for him last year when he won the title in the big spots. He was making the first serve consistently, and also he had the confidence to come forward. So, to me, it's a confidence issue, but also that he just hasn't played as much as the other guys, so you hope that he'll be able to find you sort of regain the rhythm when he gets going best out of five. So the, the issue is he's never successfully defended a grand slam on a hard court. So, I mean, this is uncharted territory. He's never done it 
now you're asking him to do it at 36 with the guy that's breathing down his back, coming back, wanting to equal the Grand Slam record, and then not to mention Medvedev and Sitsipas and Felix and all these other young guys coming for him. So it's it's really going to be a challenge, one of his biggest challenges. I, I really don't know. I can't give you a sense. I just think it's it's too small a sample size to really predict what's going to happen. But you know if he can get to the second week, that's where all the magic can happen. It's just how's he going to get there and what kind of condition is he going to be in. And it, look, abdominal's a serious injury. I know he's... You know, I know it's been a while and all that, but that's that's not a that's a tricky thing, especially on the serve because you're really exposed. So yeah. just hope for the best. It's it's just hard to, for me to say. I, I, it's hard yeah. for me to speculate just based on what I saw. He lost the two really quality players. Demonor had a great Davis Cup. We've seen what Nori can do, especially on hard courts. But you know, Rafa's Rafa. I expect for him to to fight his way through. And I just remember what he said at the end of last year: "I'm going to die fighting for it." You yeah. know, you know he's. You know he's going to go all in intensity, effort-wise, emotionally. You know, it's just, it's not his, you know, it's just a lot at stake. So let's just see what happens. Yeah, I think he knows he can take a break after this. So, you know, I expect him to push through. Let's just, if if he's fit and he's he's got, you know, 10, 15 days right now to prepare, I think he'll be in good shape to get through the first week. And if he feels great, anything can happen. So, I mean, definitely a lot of hope that he can start performing better. This is, he's not going to be losing six out of his next seven matches would be my statement right there. Yeah, and you make a great point about looking ahead. Those guys are so good on focus. The same thing with Novak. If he can't play Indian Wells in Miami, as it looks like today, he wouldn't be able to play. They, to me, it gives them even more motivation, more incentive. Like, hey, I have a, you know a month off after that to really go all in right now. So mm-hmm. it makes it almost the urgency is almost even ratcheted up even more for me. Richard, what did you think of the United Cup now that it's, that it's done and dusted and Team USA is crowned ch- champions of the inaugural event? I liked it a lot. I liked what I saw. I felt like the second singles weren't always the best matchups, but Absolutely. gosh, Pagula against Iga. I mean, Pagula played incredible. I mean, I was she just played lights out. The Bar- the Berrettini Fritz, Berrettini sits about. There's a lot mm-hmm. of really exciting matchups, and the Americans just played. They played phenomenal. They just play, they looked so calm. Fritz really did a great job. So did Big Fell, but to me, Pagula really stood out what, what she did. It was exciting. I was happy to see it. I, you know, I think I, I like that they try to sort of fuse Hopman Cup and the ATP Cup. I think the difference with Hopman Cup, you had the one site in Perth, and you also had the best of the best. You just had the best man, the best woman. So every match was, I just felt like some of the matches maybe weren't to the level, but when you got them to the high-quality level, they, they were great, and the fans were great, and it was great to see Ken Rosewall there, too. So, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of good. I felt the crowds were good. I didn't see every match of the matches I saw. I felt the crowds were good. Yeah, no. I think, you know, there may be some ironing out to be done. I think it's definitely better than the ATP Cup, which was also good. Hey, the team events are yeah. fun, and, yeah. and I enjoy them. I think with the ATP t- cup and the davis cup it was just a bit much this is something different i felt that the players really enjoyed it seemed to vibe off it seemed to like to start their season with the camaraderie a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere though like some including matteo berrettini seemed to harp on the fact that it was stressful watching teammates but they they fused together there were a lot of good matches you're right about the number two singles sometimes there were mismatches like for instance you know tiafo was just too good of a number two singles for most everybody he faced he finally got yeah. to face musetti and we were so excited about that but unfortunately musetti was down with the shoulder injury but overall a really cool event, and I like to see the men and the women, you know, vibing off each other, growing together, learning from each other. Maria Sakri talked about how 
how effective it was for her or how important it was for her to be able to watch Stefano Sitsipas close up and be inspired by the men. The women, the men were inspired by the women. It, it was a cool vibe all around. But I think, yeah, they make some changes, maybe keep it at one venue because I think you know it was tough for Poland to have to travel from I yeah. think it was Brisbane up to Sydney where the courts are a little faster and and, and, and while Team USA is taking a, a travel day off in Sydney. So that, that created a little bit of um, – uh, you know, a competitive advantage for the team who got to play it in Sydney. But but overall, it was great. You mentioned Pagula beating Iga. That was a massive win for her, given that she lost all four against Iga. I mean, she really looked like the world number three at this tournament. She was the, the de facto leader of Team USA in every way, and then she, she showed it on the court, which means, you know, I mean, you're thinking Jessica Pagula at number three. I mean, that's probably as good as it can get, but maybe it can get even better for her. Well, if she plays the way she played that match, she could win a Grand Slam. There's no question. I mean, she was calling the shots in that match, and she was ripping it down the lines off both wings and also having David Witt there as a cat. She just seemed, like, so cool and so confident and so clear on what she wanted to do, and then she just did it. I mean, it was... Yeah, I thought it was one of her best performances. This is someone remember, but look what she did in Madrid last year. Look what she did at some of the. I mean, she's a dangerous player, and American women have a history of coming up big down under. Obviously, Danielle Collins last year, and then mm-hmm. Sophia Kennan actually winning the tournament. You've seen American Coco Vandeweghe in the past has gone deep there. Venus and Serena in 2017. So hey, maybe Pagula or Coco or Madison Keys or you know you just don't know. But the Americans have got to be feeling good about where they are at right now heading into melbourne yeah that almost to 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 a man and to a woman americans are looking great coco golf was in auckland i think she she lost 22 games in five matches claiming her third career title there which is a great way to start the season i'll be honest i didn't watch the full matches of hers but i mean what a great way to start she's now one of i think five or six american women in the last 40 years to have three or more titles under her belt before turning 19 could be another big year for coco Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, and especially to do it on a hard court where she hadn't won a title in a few years or, you know, more of her winning was on, on clay, although she's been really obviously very competitive on hard court. I thought, you know, she did really well attacking, like moving in when she got the ball, the short ball, especially behind the backhand. She volleyed beautifully a lot of the matches. And I thought one of the things she did that was really smart on the forehand was when they tried to just go forehand to forehand, cross court, a right hander, she was taking the heavy spin, the top spin forehand, down the line to the opponent's backhand, making her go back backhand to backhand. And then once she gets it on the backhand side, mm-hmm. boy, she can do almost anything with a back. She can really pummel it. She can slice it. She can hit it out of the air. And uh, I, I was impressed that she went after it in these matches. She really took to the net. She used her speed as a weapon, moving forward, making you try to pass. She made some nice touch volleys. Her overhead is really, really strong. And I hope she continues doing that because, to me, when you get her against Iga, you've seen that's a bad matchup, especially when they get forehand to forehand. Now if she can mix up that pattern, get get the high ball to your backhand, make you come back to her backhand, and also pressure you with her speed forward and her volley, 
I mean, that, that's what you want to see. She has variety. You want to see her use it, yeah. and she definitely used it. You know, the one thing you could say, maybe the opponents, the, the, the depth of the competition wasn't what she would have seen in United Cup, let's say. But she did beat Kennan. I mean, she did beat some good players. Zoo, you know, but she, I, th- I, was, I, was, uh, I was impressed. I thought she did a good job, and, and she played with variety. Yeah, and you can only beat who's in front of you. Let's face it, right? I mean, what, what can you do about that? It's yeah, it's nice. Yeah, to, yeah. It's, it's nice to be able to finish a week, no matter what draw you're in with a title. I mean, it's not also that the fact that last year she lost so many matches in a row. At the end, she was just burnt. She was fried at in uh, in Texas at the finals. But you know, you remember that it lingers. Like, geez, I lost the last five matches. You mm-hmm. want to come out and make a statement? And she did exactly what what she needed to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look at the score lines: uh, six four, six one over Tatiana Maria, four and four over Kennan, three and two over Linju, love and two over Kovinich in the semis, and one and one over Masarova in the finals. So, taking care of yeah, business. she destroyed her in the finals. And the other thing that was cool to see about it was, like you said, some of those matches she had to go indoors where there was no crowd, basically. And when you saw her in front of the crowd, you saw her just really lift and brighten up. And that's a cool thing to see that someone actually plays better before the pa- I mean, everybody always says, oh, we love the fans, but some people don't play better in front of big crowds, enthusiastic crowds. She does, or at least she did this week. So that was great to see also because she's going to be playing in front of some big crowds at the AO, and, and she has that personality where she really welcomes the, the fans in. Yeah. Richard, question for you. Uh, as we circle back to United Cup, do you, what did you think of uh, Iga Svendek getting just four games against Pagula? Just one of those things where it was perfect, conditions for Pagula with the fast surface did you did you did it open your eyes to to think that oh maybe Iga is vulnerable specifically on the hard courts uh, going into this slam well it, it made me feel like she's more vulnerable than I would have thought you know coming out of last year even though she didn't win the WTA finals it, it made me feel like she's more of a, I still feel like she's the favorite but I feel like it opens up the eyes of other players like look you can get to her and also you know emotionally she was a little bit fragile in that match which you could understand it was a tough I mean Pagula beat her down at times I mean no doubt about it she definitely beat her so that was the other thing that was kind of eye opening you know she's been working with a sports psychologist for years and all that but she was definitely emotional I mean so I think, you know, if you're an opponent, you got to say, look, she, I mean, she's had a phenomenal winning streak. She dominated the sport last year, but you've seen signs that, hey, she's human too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you make her defend, you make her play from behind. Maybe it's a different ball game. Yeah. I'd still say she's a favorite, though, for me. She's, I mean, you, I don't see how you can saw, see what you saw her do last year and, and then sort of, not write it off, but sort of minimize her after one, you know, uh, after United. I don't think it, it, it dispels all the good work she did last year. So she's still the favorite for me, but I definitely think it's more of an open conversation. 21 years old. I mean, and spe- right, uh, especially right. what she was able to do at the U.S. Open last year where we knew she wasn't really perfectly suited for those conditions for that for for winning a hardcore slam and yet she found a way to finagle her way through that slam she wasn't her most dominant self it wasn't like a one of her Roland Garros runs but um that was the one absolutely and I gotta be honest that match I felt going in it was 50-50 but I gave Hans a little bit of uh, a little bit of an edge going in so yeah absolutely she won without being at her best yeah and 
Uh, you know, it's going to be fun in Australia. I think you mentioned Owens, who's going to be who's going to be tough, and Caroline Garcia is still in the mix, and Arena Sabalenka wins her eleventh title in Adelaide, coming in with some confidence now after making the WTA finals title match last year, and now starting the season very strong. She could be a factor. I mean, we know how good she can be when she doesn't get in her way, right? Yeah, exactly. And the great thing about those matches at the end to see her smile and see her how, and you didn't feel like the weight of the world was on her shoulders. You didn't see her hit 40 double faults. She just seemed like at peace with, you know, this is what I got to do. And boy, some of those matches were tie breaks and she pulled them out. And she was, I mean, the, the final opponent was a tough, tough opponent, and she served well. She did exactly what you want to see her do, and look, she's been in the Wimbledon semifinals. She's gone deep at the U.S. Open. She can definitely, definitely do damage if she can just keep it together mentally and let let the shots flow and just don't overthink it, and don't beat yourself up when you double fall. You have a big game, you're going to double fall. Yeah, you know, I think just, she knows that by now. Yeah, she knows it by now. It's just, it, it, you know, you want to see her... Uh, you want to see her in the second week. I want to see her in the yeah. second week because she's so explosive and she gives you a great contrast to someone like Ons or Coke. It's just a different style, so yeah. you like to see that. And look, let's not forget at Wimbledon what, what Rabakina did last year. Some of these big hitters, you get them in the right conditions, they can just totally disarm you, take the racket out of your hands, and she can certainly do that to just about anybody. I'd say the same thing, even though she's not playing at that level, is someone like Keys. You know, I, I mean, people still sort of don't give her credit, but when she's on, she's another one that can really take you out of the match. Yeah. The Salonika played really, she played great. It was great to see that. Mm-hmm. Keys back in the top ten, played well as number two singles in United Cup. Uh, a lot of a lot of names on the WTA side. You know, you look at the men and you you immediately think this is Novak's tournament to win. It's hard to see anybody but maybe Novak, Rafa, or Medvedev winning. With the women, you think that about Iga, which you already mentioned. You already alluded to the fact that she's probably the heavy favorite. Um, but you know, I haven't even mentioned Petra Kvitova is starting to play well, undefeated so far sure. in the season. There's Hadad Maya, there's uh, Samsonova, a lot of good players. Kudamatova, Maria Sakri, you never know. She likes to play down in Australia. She's been hit or miss for a bit. But there, there are a lot of good players on the women's side that we can... That hey, we can Garcia! Garcia is a dangerous player, you know, when she has so a serve dangerous. going, very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, so I think my takeaway is that it's a little bit more contestable for the for the women's side you know i think yeah i feel like Iga should should and could win it but you just never know there's a lot of great great players and there's, it's going to be a very interesting you know second third and fourth round at uh, on the women's side for sure i mean what else and especially with Barty not there you don't have to worry about like i'm gonna fight the whole crowd if i play Barty in the semis of the final i got twenty thousand people against you don't have to deal with that you know yeah. now it's just you gotta deal with the players that are there well, uh, Barty will be there in spirit and, and in person, actually, which, which is pretty interesting yeah. that we heard that she's going to do a little bit of mentoring. Yeah, um, yeah. So she's around. I, it was nice to see a picture with her and Igas Fiontek. I mean, she's going to be a mentor to uh, Olivia Gadecki, who's a wild card. Yeah, it's nice to see her back, and uh, and she seems really really happy, too, with her, with, with her life. Yeah, I, I didn't, and, and she's pregnant, right? Yes. Amazing. Yes. Didn't expect her to be back at the Aussie Open so soon. I think that's a really good sign. I don't know if it means comeback, but it means she's going to be a part of the fabric of Aussie tennis and a presence, which is awesome. Yeah, that is. And and she's someone who really honored the tradition and history. Oh you know, goodness. her ties with Yvonne Gulligan, she's just really, uh, really respects the tradition. It's nice to see her pay it forward. Yeah, so cool. Um, 
some faces will be missing at this Australian Open. World number one, Carlos Alcaraz, out with injury. Um, Naomi Osaka has uh, withdrawn. Venus Williams had a wild card. She got injured. Is not going to play. Um, any thoughts on any of those and how that will impact the draw? Well, I mean, I'm not really surprised with Naomi just because she hasn't played since September and she just, you know, hadn't entered any of the tune-ups and it just seems like she's consciously chosen to take a sabbatical. I don't know why, if it's mental health related or just she needs time away. So it didn't surprise me that uh, she didn't play. I was really hoping to see Venus, you know, one more time there. I know the crowd really wanted to see her and uh, I felt she, you know, to get her first win in Auckland, things were kind of going in the right direction and uh it's a shame because you don't know if you'll ever see her play down on she's 42 years old you don't know if you'll ever see her play there again and she had so many great moments there so i feel bad about that and obviously alcaraz is the big one i mean he's the one you want to see go against novak rafa medvedev sits a pass any of those guys and anybody who saw what he did at the u.s open especially that center match or the big foe match. i mean he's just electrifying player he's so so exciting i think the fans would have loved to see that it's a bummer but you know he has a great coach and a great team around him and if they're telling it it goes back to a hamstring with him too and you don't want to you don't want to mess with that it's a big muscle that's a really he's his speed is is one of his major major assets so it's probably i'm without i'm not a doctor but to me it sounds like they made the really smart call there you don't want to impair him you know in the first month of the season and then he's dealing i mean a hamstring is a that's a big muscle you don't you don't want to mess with that yeah but yeah i think it sucks i mean it sucks to lose him he's he's electrifying but uh you know you you move forward but you want to see him go against those guys especially after the rafa match in indian wells that he beat novak and madrid i mean you want to see him go against those guys in the majors yep that's what you want to see and you know that was this was going to be his last appearance as a teenager at the slams he'll turn 20 on May 5th, I think. Right. Thankfully, we've got Hogaruna. <laughs> right, we got Hogaruna, yeah. And we still got, hey, look, Center and Musetti are still pretty young. Felix is super young. I mean, Felix is, what, 22 now? Felix can do damage, I think. He beat Novak at Labor Cup. I realize it's two out of three, but Felix has been really coming on the last year. Yeah, for sure. Expecting a big year from him, potential potential trip to a Grand Slam final or something to that effect. What do you, what do you, what do you think about – got a couple of questions about players that, that I want I wanted to get your take on their upside for this season and beyond. Cam Norrie, incredible performance at United Cup, beating Rafa, which is a huge one for him to get over that hump, but then beating Fritz also and Dimonor and just looking so professional, so strong, so unflappable in every phase of his game. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's funny when we talk about fitness for years, you'd always talk about Rafa, Novak, and Murray. And now I think you got to talk about Cameron Nori as one of the fittest guys around. I mean, this guy, 
I mean, he sweats and sweats and sweats, and he looks like he just wants more. He just goes more. And also, he's just so awkward stylistically to play where you think you should be getting some midcourt balls from the forehand. Sometimes it looks a little loopy, like, oh, he's going to land it short. I'm going to tee off. And he's just so precise with the ball. It reminds me, even though he's a totally different player, it reminds me a little, his ball control reminds me a little bit of David Ferrer, that he can just incrementally put the ball closer and closer and closer to the lines. Mm-hmm. And you don't see him miss on big big points even though his backhand is so flat you're sitting there thinking god he's going to put a backhand in the net he just doesn't on the big point he's a tough tough guy yeah i mean i i wouldn't want any part of that guy on any survey first guy i mean he's just and he gets off on those grinding sweaty long physical like he likes that he gets off on that so yeah, he's tough. I mean, I wouldn't want any part of that I, guy. I feel like there are bigger things to come for him. Like, but I, I know he's very unassuming when you look at him. You, you don't see like this is one of the best athletes right. in the world. But I feel like he is so driven and so steady right now that he could possibly sneak through, win a slam type of thing. I don't know. I just really was impressed by the way he played United Cup. Uh, Francis is. If you went out to a practice court and you watch him play against Draper, you would say Draper's the guy. And Draper, yes, I yes, think, is going to yes. be a really, really good player. But if you didn't. You know, if you didn't know any of their history, you'd be like, wow, that kid Draper. He, but Nori's just a winner. He just wins. He, he competes hard. He win, and he, like you said, he doesn't physically blow you away when you look at him. But, boy, he, he's just so tough. Yeah. And he doesn't miss on the big – that really gets into your head. You're thinking, this guy isn't going to miss. He's amazing. 27, he's got some gray hair coming out. I mean, he's just uh, – yeah. he's, he's, yeah. he's unreal. But, you know, I look up the – yeah. Up and down the top twenty-five for the for the men's, and and it's it's exciting. There's, you know, you see Zverev coming back. I think it's going to be a tough for him. But you've got Holger Rune, you've got Taylor Fritz, Francis is, is at seventeen, looking like he's headed for the top ten. Berrettini's at fourteen, but you know he can be much higher. You know he's dangerous at slams. Medvedev's at eight. Musetti, who's so exciting and so thrilling to watch and so aesthetically pleasing to watch, at number nineteen. Nick Kyrgios at twenty-one. Shapovalov, you know, can be a force if he turns his game on it. And, is, and and finds that switch and that extra gear. He's at 22. Borna George is at 23 in the rankings. Sitsipas at four looked great at United Cup too. And you know, you know, he still believes he can win a win a slam. I mean, there's a lot of good players in there. I, I don't I, I don't think I mentioned Andre Rublev, Felix, Hubert Hurkacz is an incredible talent that could. He's not as consistent as I'd like him to be, but I feel like he's another guy that could break through and, and get to a slam final type of thing this season. Yeah, those are all good, great names Senior. to mention because a lot of the younger guys, too, are shot makers where they're not afraid, like a Musetti or Hogarune. These guys aren't afraid. A center, you know, they're not afraid to go for the shot. Rublev, obviously, aggressive baseliner. So that makes it really you know, exciting. Also, and to me, Berrettini is a guy, like, you don't want to sleep on that guy. He's been in the Wimbledon final. He's been in the U.S. Open semifinal. Like you said, when the serve is cranking, you don't really get much of a sniff on his service games. And I thought the slice looked pretty good. Even the Fritz loss that he had, I mean, he yeah. had some really sharp low slices. And when you're trying to dig that slice out, and then the next ball, he can run around and jam that forehand anywhere in the court. You know, good luck with that. That's a, it's a very disorientating opponent, and he's just so physically powerful, too. Yeah, and, and when you say, like, you know, in the past, if we'd say Berrettini lost to Fritz, you'd say, like, what's up with Berrettini? Like, but Fritz has become 
a serious, oh, yeah. serious player on tour yeah. right now. I mean, we, yeah. I love hearing Fritz's post-match because he's very analytical, but he goes both ways. He'll tell you what he did right, what he did wrong, and that tells me he really thinks about his game and the opponent's game and where they fit. He's a very smart guy in terms of analyzing his game, and he's, boy, he's hitting the ball so clean off both off both sides, and his serve is much bigger than people think because you see guys get a racket on her. But when he wants to bring the heat, he's got a big time serve too. Six foot five inches. He's a big kid, and he's got a lot. Yeah, he's got got a lot of power. And I think he's great on the, in the clutch and under pressure. I've been watching him the last couple of years. You know, when when you get and see him in tight spots, he he doesn't waver. He's doing a great job right now, and I, I feel like top five is definitely in his future. It's crazy to say that American man. Can, can be up that high and I think Francis is vibing off that and I think he's going to go higher and I think Sebi's going to trail these guys that like the, the whole American men's tennis team is still in play and I still think they're going to they're all going to have some pretty decent years though I don't really know what's up with Riley Opelka at the moment but you know he's got to get healthy but overall very good vibes from you know you go into a slam and you don't really hear the name Taylor Fritz thinking you know this is a guy that can be in the semis or even deeper but it's starting to feel like that could be a reality Especially with the Indian Wells win and then the Wimbledon performance against Rafa where he could have won that match. He feels like, you know, like he belongs, like he can beat these guys, and and he can. I mean, he can. It's just now the next step is to do it in a slam. And I think the great thing for fans of American tennis is also the depth below those names you mentioned where you have a Nakashima, Tommy Paul, Jensen mm-hmm. Brooksby, some of these guys that are just really, really good players, especially on hard court. So it's... Those guys trending toward the top ten, and Fritz obviously in the top ten, but also the depth of the of the guys um, coming up. So it, yep. it's great. I mean, you could see that a little bit on that women's side. Alicia Parks is another one coming. So there's a lot of uh, Katie McNally, people like that. So there's a lot of depth too, in addition to the stars sort of uh, congregating near the top ten. Yeah, and yet last year was a big formative year for for Fritz because it was third round and out for him at so many slams, I think eight or so, but prior to last year, he finally cracked the duck at the Aussie Open where he got to the round of 16, went five sets with Tsitsipas, nearly won that match, and then, of course, Wimbledon getting to the quarters, losing to Rafa in a, in a fifth-set breaker. Um, and think- he said something to Courier at United Cup, the on-court interview, where they basically, what was it different? And he talked a lot about his footwork, and I thought that was a very prescient comment because you don't see him just like lunging for the forehand or hitting the squash shot forehand. He gets his feet set, he turns his hips, his shoulders, he really gets his body behind the ball. And when he can do that and set his feet, I mean, he hits the ball beautifully, both wings. He doesn't have a weaker side. And he's really, I feel like you've seen him since the beginning, you've seen him really develop the forehand as a weapon uh, that he can he can end the point now with the forehand. His backhand has always been, you know, world class shot. So yeah, he's got a huge huge upside, and he's got the desire. Look, we saw that. Remember when he got wheeled off at Roland Garros, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, this guy's going to be out for months." He came back at Wimbledon a couple years ago after that. So he showed you how much he wants to play, how much it means to him, mm-hmm. and that good quality to have. And the Indian Wells final last year, where everybody told him to not play that yeah. match, and he ends up yeah. he ends up. You know, taking the title from Rafa in one of his most memorable matches of his career. So, I mean, it shows yep. kind of this guy's kind of uh, he's he's on a different wavelength. So that's always nice, right? Um, so, I guess good stuff. I don't know. Did, did we cover every? I think we're going to try and come back later in the week once we get the draw. So maybe we don't have to worry too much about covering anything else. But uh, parting shots here, Richard, before I let you go for a few days. Uh, it was a 
for a great opening week. You saw a lot of the stars. You saw the young players. We talked about Coco Nascova. We talked about a lot of the younger uh, players coming through. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped and can't wait for the draws, and that's going to tell us a lot of the uh, of the story of maybe week one. Well, it sounds like you got to go because the cops are coming for you. <laughs> no, he's coming. <laughs> You might want to take off. Any, anything about the Mets for our listeners? You know what? I've learned it's hard to hit a moving target. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, moving. A lot of our listeners just tune into you because the, for the Mets talk. So, I mean, the off season, their payroll is now up to what, $6 trillion? <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, their payroll is, is um, massive. The good thing is they have an owner who can afford it. So I feel like the players should, should be paid. They're the ones going out there. They're the ones taking the pressure. Good for them. I guess. So what, what actually is the Mets' payroll for, for next season? Is it over Oh, they're going to be over They're going to be over $300 million, I believe, oh. if they sign Carlos Corey. I mean, they're going to be, yeah, it's, it's huge. Uh, Got to love that as a fan. I just hope they don't raise the parking rates and stuff like that. I mean, I'm still trying to get you to go to a game. You always throw me on. <laughs> we'll be there next year. I guarantee yeah. it. I guarantee it. All right, Richard, thanks. Let's check back later in the week. Enjoy your week. Um, keep keep cranking out the good stuff for TennisNow.com and, uh, you know, get get out of there because the cops are clearly knocking at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Chris, All thanks right. so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord Podcast is a wrap. Special thanks to Richard Pagliaro, as always, for joining. You can find his work at TennisNow.com. You can find some of my work there as well. Always worth it to check us out. Sign up for the mailing list. Stay hip to what's going on in the world of tennis. Uh, you can also find us on social media at Facebook.com slash TennisNow, at Tennis underscore Now on Twitter. We're always out there. We're always keeping an eye on the sport we love. Next time you see us, it'll be right before the Australian Open when the draws are released. So look forward to an episode coming later this week. And let's get fired up for the Aussie Open. Happy New Year. Happy 2023, everyone. And we will see you next time.